Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. What on earth are we going to talk about today? <laughs> Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. Obviously, we've got to start there with, well, the audio. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. Two years ago, when I left office, the United States stood ready for its golden age. Our nation was at the pinnacle of power, prosperity, and prestige, towering above all rivals, vanquishing all enemies, and striding into the future, confident and so strong. In four short years, everybody was doing great. Men, women, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic Americans, everybody was thriving like never before. One more. The vicious ISIS caliphate, which no president was able to conquer, was decimated by me and our great warriors in less than three weeks, and al-Baghdadi, its founder, was hunted down and killed. North Korea had not launched... North Korea had not launched a single long-range missile since my summit with Chairman Kim Jong-un nearly three years before. We developed a relationship, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Very good thing, actually, because look at what's happening today. My opponents made me out to be a warmonger and just a terrible person who would immediately go into war they said during the 2016 campaign that if he becomes president, there will never be a war within weeks, and we will have wars like you've never seen before. It will happen immediately, and yet I've gone decades, decades without a war, the first president to do it for that long a period. The world was at peace, America was prospering, and our country was on track for an amazing future because I made big promises to the American people, and unlike other presidents, I kept my promises. I kept them. And the one Democrats are already using today for fundraisers. Despite the outcome in the Senate, we cannot lose hope. And we must all work very hard for a gentleman and a great person named Herschel Walker, a fabulous human being who loves our country and will be a great United States Senator. Herschel Walker, get out and vote for Herschel, and he deserves it. He was an incredible athlete. He'll be an even better senator. Get out and vote for Herschel Walker. Yeah, the Democrats are already using that one for a fundraiser today for Raphael Warnock. Now, um, how do we dive into this? Here's the Republican Party's problem. There is a contingent of Republicans who are only Donald Trump. There is a growing contingent of Republicans who are never, ever Trump again. 
And both sides seem to signal if they do not get their way, they will take their football and go home, which is no way to win an election. It's what primaries are supposed to be for. But both sides seem very insistent. It must be either Trump or not Trump. Uh, There can be no, we will support the nominee. And that becomes, I think, problematic for the party moving forward. There is data from Nate Cohen, who is the data analyst pollster for the New York Times, who can demonstrate that in every state where Trump heavily backed a candidate or the candidate branded themselves as Trump's candidate, that candidate ran five points behind other Republicans at a minimum. Carrie Lake ran six points behind in Arizona. It really does seem to me to be that independent voters who the Republicans need to win have decided they're done and they're ready to move on. But every day I mention this, I get very angry emails from people cussing me out for uh, saying, well, you never liked Trump to begin with. I'm not a fan. I handed my show over to his family in 2020, allowed on uh, Don Jr., had Eric on, had Vice President Pence on, had uh, Kellyanne Conway on, had multiple people on to allow them to make their case, generally supported his candidacy, and I still get attacked as being never, ever Trump, despite all of that in 2020, that somehow in 2020, despite trying to help them, uh was accused of undermining him. I apparently am the reason he lost, according to some of the emails. There are people who just can't see straight one way or the other when it comes to Donald Trump. He is that polarizing of a figure. The data from 2022 suggests independent voters and 13% of Republicans generally have said enough is enough. It's time to move on. But there is a contingent of the Republican Party that refuses to let it go. There is a a mostly male, mostly online and talk radio contingent that insists that he can do no wrong, has done no wrong, and is not to blame for anything. There is a contingent, likewise, that believes he is to blame for everything. Uh, There is no nuance in between. That's how polarizing he is. At this point, I believe he would have far better policies than what is being offered by Joe Biden. And he is right. We did not have the economic disasters we are currently having when he was president. But also, there are many other Republicans who could do just as good a job, if not better than him, and be less polarizing. Ron DeSantis makes a lot of sense. He barely won four years ago and now won by 20% in Florida. He won overwhelmingly with Hispanic voters in Florida. He got Democratic voters. He got all the independents in Florida. He won overwhelmingly. He grew his margins. Donald Trump, despite his large numbers, has never actually won the popular vote and had to spin that as a stolen election in 2020. The problem here is that in 2018, Republicans could dismiss 2018 and say, well, it's the midterms, and the party in the White House doesn't do well in the midterms. Then you get to 2020, and they had to say, well, it was a stolen election. He actually won, but it was stolen from him. Then you get to 2022 and Joe Biden's team actually outperforms an incumbent president in the midterms. All of Trump's fans and and candidates underperform other Republicans, even inside the same state. 
And now they're left with this amalgamation of maybe it was stolen, maybe it wasn't stolen, but let's ignore the data. we got to be loyal to Donald Trump. I don't think you can ignore the data at this point that a large portion of the public and including members of the Republican Party are ready to move on from Donald Trump, who himself is not ready to move on. And the people who are not ready to leave him behind and can only support him are going to have to try to find a way to accommodate the people who are ready to move on and the people who are ready to move on accommodate those who aren't. And I don't know that that's possible. My fear, my belief is that if the Republicans don't nominate Trump in 2024, there will be a contingent of people, let's say they nominate DeSantis. There will be a contingent of Republicans who have loved Ron DeSantis until the moment Donald Trump stopped loving him and now hate him. And they will refuse to vote for DeSantis. They will stay home and say, if not Trump, I'm not voting. My hope is that they will change their mind or that they are small enough that independents could overcome it because I do think beating the Democrats is necessary. I do think stopping whoever the Democrats nominate in 2024 is critical, whether it's Trump or someone else. My sense, though, is that on top of this, there's an added layer of people who have made a lot of money by suggesting the Republicans will never move on. The grift is strong on all sides. There's a lot of grift. I, I Looking at the, the people in the room at Mar-a-Lago last night, there was a lot of grift in there. A lot of people who make a lot of money off keeping Trump going. But there are also people on the other side who have made a profession of keeping Trump going. It is very notable that none of the conservative news outlets gave as much coverage to Trump's announcement as liberal news outlets did. The New York Times, Florida ceiling, covered in stories about Trump running today. When you, to find Donald Trump's announcement in the New York Post, you had to go to page 26 of the New York Post. Let me read you their entire coverage of Trump's announcement. Headline, been there, done that. With just 720 days to go before the next election, a Florida retiree made the surprise announcement Tuesday night he was running for president. In a move no political pundit saw coming, avid golfer Donald J. Trump kicked things off at Mar-a-Lago, his resort and classified documents library. Trump, famous for gold-plated lobbies and for firing people on reality television, will be 78 in 2024. If elected, Trump would tie Joe Biden as the oldest president to take office. His cholesterol levels are unknown, but his favorite food is a charred steak with ketchup. Who can blame him for that? It's delicious. He has stated that his qualifications for office include being a quote-unquote stable genius. Trump also served as the 45th president. That is literally the entirety of the New York Post's announcement and coverage of Trump's announcement last night. The New York Times has given it wall-to-wall coverage. The Democrats seem to believe that if Trump is the nominee, they win. And they want to help him become the nominee just as they did in 2016. It didn't work for him in 2016. What they have now is three consecutive elections where those close to Trump lost. And they think that helps. I'll be very honest with you. Whoever the Republican nominee is, I'll support the Republican nominee. I just think it's time to move beyond the boomers. I think there are plenty of fresh faces. I think if you believe only Donald Trump can do it, then 
you haven't been paying attention to a Ron DeSantis or a Greg Abbott or Brian Kemp or Christy Nome. If you believe Donald Trump is the only one who can fight, you should pay attention to what DeSantis did in Florida. I understand there are many who believe Donald Trump did so much, we owe him support. I don't think you owe any politician that level of support. I don't think you do. And I look at what happened a week ago at the ballot box and think every single one of his preferred candidates went down in flames or vastly underperformed everyone else. Vance got across the finish line, barely. All the other Republicans in Ohio blew it out of the water. Carrie Lake underperformed the rest of the Republicans in Arizona by six points. Blake Masters by 11 points. Mastriato in Pennsylvania dragged down Dr. Oz, who could never overcome his unfavorables with Republicans. Herschel Walker in Georgia is limping into a runoff. I just think if you look at that and think this is the path we should go forward as opposed to look in Florida where every school board member save three that Ron DeSantis backed one, every single member of the legislature Ron DeSantis backed one, every member of Congress Ron DeSantis backed one, he won a majority of Hispanic voters, he won a majority of independents, he won a significant portion of black voters, he won a significant portion of Democrats, his state has 30 electoral college votes. That seems to be a smarter play. Or a Christy Noman in South Dakota, who just won re-election, but a small state with electoral college votes, but won re-election, battled Democrats. There are plenty of other options. I don't know why we have to be stuck with a three-time loser who makes mistakes or excuses for his losses. If he's the nominee, yeah, support him. I just... This I'm not enthusiastic about this. I, I never have been. I admit it. Some of you have been very enthusiastic. You love the guy. I, we have to agree to disagree on that. If he's the nominee, absolutely. Uh, let's get him over the finish line. I just think we are now two years removed from his presidency, a week removed from a disastrous election that should have been a red wave. And the independent voters and 13% of the Republican Party are saying, hey, guys, come up with someone new. I think we should listen to them if we really want to win in 2024. If the election is that critical, we should listen to what the voters say they want. Republicans who aren't crazy. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. Their grassroots do tank. Americans for Prosperity is a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Boy, did I have excitement last night. My goodness gracious. I got to tell you all what happened to me last night. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. So I had to do a CNN last night, Aaron Burnett's show. 
And by the way, I'll be on uh, with Anderson Cooper at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock tonight. They're doing a, a town hall with Mike Pence. Uh, they asked, they're, they're trying to find some actual conservatives to come on. Told them I would do it. Um, but so I had to do a, a hit. I was in Atlanta. So I said, well, I'll just go to CNN and do it. I showed up. I was 15 minutes early. There was a wreck and it put me coming in about 10 minutes uh, before my hit. And then I got up there and I guess there was a, a Atlanta Hawks game last night and I couldn't get anywhere near the the, the CNN building. So the the uh, State Farm Arena where the Hawks play is right next to the CNN Center. It's built into it. And I couldn't get anywhere near there. There were police directing traffic. I went down one way, tried to turn, told the police officer I was trying to get to CNN to be on TV. He started yelling at me, telling me I was going to get a ticket if I didn't turn around and go the other way. There was nowhere to go. So like three minutes before the hit, the producers are calling saying, where are you? And I'm explaining, I'm literally like can make eyeballs with the parking lot and they will not let me go to the parking lot. So they said, well, can you pull over and do it by phone? So I said, yes. Well, I had to drive like four blocks and get out of the traffic to find somewhere to pull over into a, into a um, curbside parking. So I'm literally in curbside parking. Aaron Burnett is just coming up on the hit and a homeless man starts wailing on my uh, passenger side window as if he's trying to smash it open. Freaked me out. So I slam on the gas, go through the light. A guy comes as, as my light is turned green and a guy runs the red light. I have to swerve. And it puts me on the on-ramp of the interstate right as she's coming to me. So I'm trying to have a a normal-sounding conversation as I suddenly find myself on an interstate on-ramp. It was, I, I got out of there and I texted her and I said, Aaron, I'm very sorry. I showed up early. I couldn't get to the station. Had to do it by phone. Got attacked by a homeless man. Run off onto the interstate. I need Xanax and bourbon. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, y'all, I have never, like, I've never had like a panic attack. It, it was, it was just awful. I thought the guy was going to smash the window of my car in addition to, to then nearly getting run over by someone who ran a red light. Oh my goodness gracious. All that to say, it was an exciting night and I'll be back on CNN tonight. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Got people who want to chime in on the Trump 2024 issue. Whether you agree with me or not, I, that's okay. That's why we have the phones. 877-973-7425. Let's begin with Andrew. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Hello, Eric. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Eric, listen, I, I, I well, first of all, thank you. Uh, I've been off the Trump train because of some of his antics, but I found his speech last night while on script, so the speechwriter must have been great, was on point and said everything I probably wanted yep. to hear. I can see myself getting back on the Trump train. He did sound coherent, too, so even at 80, he might be coherent, and Biden definitely not. I mean... <laughs> I, I just was going to get comment on the speech and everything <laughs> look, else that he said. I thought it was a fine speech. I, and look, I agreed with a lot of what he said. Um, I, I do think it, it, it came across from his normal energy as subdued. A lot of people were using his low energy line against him last night. He wanted, from what I was told, to stay on remarks, to stay on teleprompter, and not go off script, which, I mean, I agreed with so much of what he said. 
I just don't know that he needs to be at Joe Biden's age when he runs for president, the the standard bearer for that. I, I'm, I, I think there could be younger people um, that we don't necessarily have to go backwards. But I agree with what he said. Um, they, that, that's the conundrum here. I, I like so much of what he said, and yet I'm just looking at what happened last Tuesday and independent voters and thinking, yeah, we can find someone who believes these exact same things who is not him, and, and that may help us. Um, but who knows? I mean, we'll put it to the voters, I guess, in two years. Uh, Andrew, thanks for the call. I will tell you guys, real quick, uh, some of his major donors from 2016 and 2020 have announced they're bailing. Uh, so Ken Griffin, who is the Citadel CEO, is all in for uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, Andy Sabin is also in for... DeSantis. Um, you've got some of them are going with Glenn Youngkin. Uh, Stephen Ross, uh, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, has also said he's now going to be in for DeSantis. Uh, Ray Washburn, who worked for Donald Trump, uh, is now going with Glenn Youngkin. And uh, Eric Levine, uh, one of the top GOP fundraisers, is said he will find someone other than Donald Trump. And then Stephen Schwartzman, who is the head of Blackstone, the other, not BlackRock, but the other private equity group, Blackstone, uh, said he will not be supporting Trump this time. He is eyeing Ron DeSantis as well. So you, you got the, the top donors starting to move. That was one reason Trump wanted to go on and announce uh, was to try to hold off that, but it's still happening. Uh, back to the phones. Karen, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show, Karen. Hey, um, I just wanted to say I'm not sure that everybody is as polarized as you think they are, because I'd like to kind of think this through. I am a big Trump supporter, but he annoys me in, on many <laughs> levels. And I, under, I understand, you know, how you feel about that. But at the same time, and I love DeSantis because I'm from Florida and I just think he's amazing. But do you not think that if all the trouble that they gave Trump with the first two years, if he could hit the ground running, does he kind of not know his way around a little bit more? And there wouldn't be a learning curve like there will be with DeSantis and wasting all that time. That's yeah, look, the one thing I thought might be. I think that's a fair point. I think that's pro may actually be the best argument uh, for Trump 2024. No learning curve. Um, I, yeah. I, so here's, here's my honest concern though, Karen, on, on the polarization front is, is forget you and me. Let, let's just say you and I will agree, even, whether it's Trump or not, we'd support the Republican. Um, right. there, we saw on Tuesday night for the first time in five elections, a majority of independents went with the incumbent president's party, uh, and, and in areas well, I, where there were Trump candidates. If you feel like that was a fair election, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. Listen, I, I just, I when you look nationwide, I mean, look even in Georgia, for example, uh, where I am, you had a significant portion of Republicans who refused to vote for Herschel Walker in the Republican primary. All of Donald Trump's picks in Georgia lost, other than Herschel Walker and Burt Jones. Uh, go to Ohio, where no one questions that election. Trump's candidates either lost or underperformed the other Republicans. Uh, same thing happened in Florida. Same thing happened in Iowa. Uh, whether you, you think Arizona was fair or not, the Republicans held the state legislature, but all the ones who run as, as MAGA Republicans lost. Uh, I just, I, I, it, we can dismiss it and say it, it was not a fair election or not, but the pattern holds up. That's my concern. 
So did you listen to his speech last night, Trump? Yeah, speech? I did. I, I mean, that, that's hear? the thing. I what? listened to it and thought I agree with everything he's saying. No, but I have a question. What did he mean when he said a majority of the people that he supported, and then he gave a number? Yeah, and he it said was they like all two hundred thirty-two. Didn't what? Yeah, 223. So Trump gave his endorsement to over 200 people. Many of them ran in uncontested races. They they weren't all in contested races. Oh. Uh, but he gave oh, okay. his endorsement so, to like two, I think it was 227 people. He endorsed some of them ran in like Republican plus 70 seats. Uh, so of course they were going to win. Some of them ran unopposed. So it, but the problem was in the races that really mattered, like the, the Fetterman Oz race, the Mastriano Shapiro race. That's the problem. I just say, look, you make the best point for him, though. Um, there's there's no learning curve. If he did this again, he's been through the rodeo, uh, and he can learn from yeah. the mistakes from 2020. In fact, one of the things he signaled is he's going to have a smaller, more nimble campaign in 2024 like he did in 2016, where it was Hillary Clinton who had the massive campaign. By the way, that reminds me, Karen, thanks for the phone call. I, I got to say this. this. I need this on the record. Let me fire up the video here. Push the button. There we go. I don't care where you stand on Donald Trump. I don't, whether you love him or whether you hate him. There are some facts I want to say, and I need you to stick with me till the end. In 2018, the Republicans got blown out of the water by the Democrats who took the House of Representatives, and all the Republicans, myself included, said, well, midterm election of an incumbent president, that happens. In 2020, the GOP almost picked back up the House, but lost the presidency. And a lot of Trump's words said, well, it was stolen. Here comes 2022. Joe Biden has the second best performance of an incumbent president since World War II, nearly keeps the House, keeps the Senate, sees no incumbent uh, senators lose for the first time since World War I, and every Trump candidate on the ballot underperformed other Republicans by 5%. Those are facts. So there's one more fact you must consider. How horrible of a candidate was Hillary Clinton in 2016? Now, I know some Democrats will say, well, Russia stole it, but that's crap. You, you, that's as much a lie as the stolen election stuff from 2020. That's their excuse to avoid having to look at what actually happened. Hillary Clinton had to be a disastrous candidate in 2016. Donald Trump beat her. The only one Donald Trump has beaten is Hillary Clinton. She was that bad of a candidate. When you look at 2018, 2020, 2022, the effects Trump had on the Republican Party and candidates, it wasn't good. And yet he beat Hillary Clinton, which probably puts Hillary Clinton as the worst person of a major party to ever run for president of the United States. They've had to hide behind the Russia stole it lies to avoid having to contend with what an awful candidate that woman was. I enjoyed saying that. Now, let's go back to the phones. Glenn, you're up next. Glenn, welcome. Mr. Erickson, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Uh, well, I got a quick question, and, and it seemed to spark interest in your call screener as well. Uh, the initial answer, I think, up front from anyone would be no. But my question is, do you think some sort of campaign, I mean, based on emotion uh, for Trump, would help him in any way? Because emotion seems to be what's guiding this country these days, as opposed to logic and policy in a lot of areas. And I think that's what hurt him originally. And then, of course, the reputation mush- mushroomed into what it is today. Do you think some kind of in-your-face uh, 
campaigning, emphasizing, downplaying the ego, the schoolyard tactics, the the newness of it. You know, I came into this as a businessman. I've learned some lessons along the way and then pushed the policies because, really, I want the Trump. I don't want the Trump we got. I want all of his policies, and quite honestly, I'll, I'll vote for DeSantis if uh, Trump doesn't do, downplay his current attitude. Do you think it would actually help if he put in a, a definitive effort to change his persona to the public so that they would focus more on a policy than emotion. Okay, that is uh, that actually is an intriguing question. I don't know that he can. Um, so I, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you a story. Yeah, um, I, 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 this person will go nameless. Uh, you would all probably know him. There is uh, there is a person in talk radio, uh, not conservative talk, but talk radio in general. And I, I know several people who know this person. And they all say that over time, they have watched him become his radio persona, uh, that he used to not be and now very much has become exactly on radio as he is off radio, where he used to have almost a different personality. It wasn't a, a the showman personality that was on radio. And over time, he mm-hmm. became what he is on radio. I think to a degree, Donald Trump has become the man he was on TV um, maybe the TV is a reflection of who he is off, but I, I don't know that he can change that. Uh, it is about him. It is about the Trump brand and what he does is about his brand. He's very brand conscious. Um, so I don't know that he can change if, but, and then there's the other problem though, Glenn, if he did change, I don't know that that would actually help him with the, um, with the, with, sorry, I had to cut you off. GPS is talking over me. Uh, I don't know that that would help him with his voters. It, it would come off as inauthentic. We, we've seen this guy for, what, six years, eight years in such a way. So now he changes his personality and, and people say, who is this guy? Would they embrace him? Would it come across as fake? Um, I think he is who he is and you either embrace him or not. That's for the better and also for the worse. We'll see. Okay, let's see. Bob, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Bob. Hey, how you doing? Glad to be Good. on. Thank you. Uh, listen, Mike, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, either or DeSantis or Trump if uh, it came to them being in the primary. And I'm sure they both will from uh, from what I've been hearing. And uh, to me, it would be really a flip of the coin as to who I'd vote for. I would vote for either one. And uh, but uh I was thinking, and and I was corrected on that by your assistant, that uh, what if they worked together and made a contest of it, and perhaps whoever won the primary would run for president, and the other one would be the vice president, but I was told they can't be from the same state. Yeah, and and (laughs) let me explain that one uh, so people understand this, Bobby. And this goes back to in 2000, if you recall, uh, Dick Cheney had moved his voter registration to Texas and had to move it back to Wyoming. It's not a a very difficult thing. Trump could move his voter registration back to New York or stuff. But the Constitution of the United States says that the presidential and vice presidential candidates cannot be from the same state. If they are from the same state, it doesn't prohibit it outright. What it says is that state's electoral college votes cannot be counted. 
So Florida has 30 electoral college votes. The Republicans would automatically start off with a 30 electoral college vote deficit if you had uh, a Trump-DeSantis ticket because you wouldn't be allowed to count those 30. So it would put the Republicans at a competitive disadvantage out of the gate by losing 30 votes out of the gate. It would, those 30 votes wouldn't apply to the Democrats. They'd just be off the table, wouldn't count uh, for the GOP. That would be the problem. You would still need the total number. to. They wouldn't diminish it. You would still need 270 to win. You just couldn't get those 30 from Florida in your column. That's the problem with two people from the same state running under the Constitution. <sighs> oh, well, I guess we'll have a primary and sort it out, won't we? Patriot Mobile is one of the great Christian conservative companies in America fighting the good fight but they need your business to be able to do it. Patriot Mobile is a cell phone company. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses, and you can get their business, grow their profits, and support the conservative causes you care about by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. Now, what does this mean? You go to Patriot Mobile and say, listen, I've got X brand. I want to move my service to you. They say, okay, what's your phone number? And your phone number will move to Patriot Mobile, or you can get a new phone number from them. They have guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. And then as they make money, they designate a portion of their profits to fight for the causes you care about. They've been funding conservatives on school boards around the country. Uh, they've had 100% success getting conservatives elected to school boards. They have been funding the Second Amendment movement, the pro-life movement, conservative candidates in general. They do that as they grow their profits. As the business grows, their money for the conservative movement grows. And again, you get guaranteed great service. You can go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, see their detailed map down to your house as to whether it gets you data, 5G, voice, all of that. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. You get incredible discounts, too, if you're a veteran, a first responder, a teacher, an NRA member, have a lot of kids who need phones. They can work with you, give you some good discounts. Call them at 972-PATRIOT or go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. Get free activation with my name. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. You really should be subscribed to my daily email. You really need to. And if you're a radio listener, you get a 15% discount. It's not really expensive anyway, but 15% off. All you do is text DATA to 33777. Click that first link. You can be a subscriber. Get all the latest information, particularly as all these fights in Congress over leadership shape up and the elections flow through. And on into next year, I will keep you more informed than anybody else. And you get the stack of stuff. All the stuff I talk about on radio, you get all the links and more. It's great show prep for your own mind. Text data to 33777. Let's see. I think I can squeeze a call in here. Michael, you're up next. Welcome. Hi there. <clears throat> so... Um, this is the, the worst thing that could happen for the Republicans and the best thing that could happen for the Democrats. If DeSantis declares for the president, it's just going to be the ugliest, most expensive primary you've ever seen. It will divide the party, and Mickey Mouse could be running as a Democrat, and he'd win the presidency. Um, I can write, read from uh, a teleprompter, so can Joe Biden. It's the ad-lib questions that will press uh, Trump's ego button the most, and that's what's going to hurt him the most. And if somebody as inexperienced as Stacey Abrams can bait Trump into pushing a candidate against somebody just because, in this case, Kemp didn't support him, what do you think the Democratic Party is going to do? He can't. Every every candidate that he supported in the Senate, his name was not on that ballot, but the candidate's name was. And that candidate's name had Trump's name attached to it, even though it wasn't there. 
and he lost. How are you going to re- win the presidency when you can't win the swing states or battleground states or you know, whatever you call them, the North Carolinas, the Arizonas, the Nevadas? This is the worst thing that could have happened. If he would back DeSantis and step away, the Republicans would have swept the House, lost the Senate possibly for the second time in a row. Hopefully Walker will win. If I was Walker's candidacy, I would have begged, pleaded, paid Trump, not to mention my name in, in conjunction with his. I'd like to hear Michael, your thoughts look, on it. Enjoy your show. Thank you yeah, very much. Thank you very much, Michael. Look, I, I, I just don't think you can look at the data from last Tuesday and not see a Trump factor here. And, and again, um, you can say, well, it's the New York Times. We can't believe them. But you can do the math yourself. It works out. Uh, anyone who ran who was directly tied to Trump or ran as a MAGA Republican averaged 5% less vote share than Republicans around them on the ballot. And it really didn't matter the state, with very few exceptions. In the swing states in particular, listen, here's the bottom line here. Republicans got blown out of the water with Trump candidates in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, and in Arizona. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. Forget Nevada, forget all the other states. If you add Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona to all of the electoral college votes the Democrats automatically get from New York and California, you've got 270, the Democrats win. So you gotta find a Republican who can win in Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, maybe not Michigan really, but Georgia and Arizona in particular, Nevada, and Trump hasn't had a good record winning in those states. So how do you win the electoral college? I guess events change things, but what events?